In Matthew's Gospel, the 17th chapter, verse number 24, gives us uh, the story of a wonderful miracle. And uh, I'd like for you to take uh, your Bible or your instrument that might have the Scripture and take a look at it. And here's what it says. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two dogma tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher, talking about Jesus, pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. But when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first one to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes, from their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt. Jesus said to him, but so that we may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find four dogma coin, silver coins. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Sounds like a story. You think, was that true? Is that a fairy tale? Is that something that Walt Disney wrote? Nope, that's the Word of God. How many of you believe literally this is the Word of God? May I see your hand? Every word in it is the truth. So the question is, do you believe in miracles? I, I mean, really, do you believe in miracles? There are diversifying beliefs about that. Some will say, yes, I believe in miracles. And others may say, well, there are some things I believe in that's miracles and some that maybe I don't. I'm not sure that I do. I can tell you this, that the God of heaven and earth is able to perform a miracle any time that he so desires. And whether you believe or not, if God has designated a miracle for you or your family or your business, you will not stop what God's ultimate plan is for your life. So we believe, I believe in the power of miracles. Jeff, we had a board meeting right before service tonight at five o'clock. Jeff whispered in my ear just before we adjourned and prepared for the water baptism. Pastor, I have a testimony. And so he has a testimony about a miracle that took place to a family that could be any of us in this room right now. Would you welcome to the stage area, the one and only the Reverend Jeff Sellers, everybody. Pastor Jeff. Well, I had mentioned this in the meeting because it is so uh, close to when it actually happened. On Friday of this week, there's a family, back it up for just a moment, a great family, and I tell this story with their permission, Brian and Marcia, and uh, they started coming out to Lakeside. They live in the Bartow area, and so they started coming out to Lakeside just a few short years ago. Uh, tragically, several months ago, uh, Marcia, who is in her early to mid-40s, was diagnosed uh, with a very serious form of cancer, pancreatic cancer that has since spread throughout her body. And so the prognosis, as you can only imagine, is, is not good at all. In fact, uh, it's quite you know, obvious what will, unless God performs a miracle in her health, what's gonna happen in just a matter of months, maybe, maybe weeks. But this has been a family that has been strong, that has trusted God. So I've stayed in touch with them because you know Brian and Marsh and what they're walking through, they've got three kids and, and they're a great family. So on Friday before I actually was gonna call Brian and he calls me. And this is what he says. He said, Pastor Jeff, I've got to tell you a story. He said, this kind of thing happens to other people, but it's never happened to us. 
And I said, well, Brian, I'm eager to hear about it. He said, well, he said, about 8 o'clock this morning, uh, Marsha, you know, she went to the computer, and that there was a family that they've gotten to know through a cancer small group, and the person with cancer in this family that they got to know passed away in the last few days. So Marsha got online, very, very, very sick herself, and she uh, wired $100 to this family just to help. And that tells you a little bit about their heart and what kind of people they are. And then Brian said, you know, uh, then she went ahead and paid our tithe online to the church, just, um, you know, transferred $500 to, to pay our tithe. He said, uh, a few days ago, he said, my boss from work had actually called me and asked if I could come to the office at 10 o'clock today, being Friday, and that uh, they would like to meet with me. And he said, you know, I wasn't worried about my job or anything. He's very capable, very smart uh, leader. He said, but, you know, they have allowed me with my wife's sickness and prognosis to work from home so I can be with her and that I can be with the kids. And, and so I was just concerned that maybe they're going to ask me that I need to come back to the office. He said, when I walked into the room, they asked me to come back to the conference room. And uh, so when I went back to the conference room, several of my uh, coworkers were in there, and they said, hey, Brian, we know what you and your family are walking through, and so here's what we want to do. We just want to let you know we love you and we want to bless you. And they handed him an envelope. He said, well, it was obvious there was some cash in it. I could see that. And so I thanked everybody, let them know how much we appreciated their support and prayers. And he said, I, I went home, and there was Marcia. So he's telling me this. Marcia, I'm on speakerphone, and Marcia's hearing the whole story. He said, so when I got home, I told Marcia what happened. And he said, and then I opened the envelope, and he said, I started counting out the cash. And I'd make like a stack of $100. So keep in mind, they've wired $100 to this family to help pay their tithe online, $500. He said, so I, I started counting it out, and I'd make a stack of 100. And so I said 100, counted it out 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. He said, I got through. There were six stacks of 100. He said, but then I had three one, $1 bills, $3. And so I looked at Marsha, and I smiled, and I said, Marsha, it's just been a couple of hours ago that we did this, $600. And look at this. Two hours later, we have $603. And he smiled, and he said, you know what? God not only met our need, but he gave us $3 to spare. And she smiled back, and this is what she said. She said, no, it's just exactly as it ought to be because there was a wiring charge of $3 for the $100. It's to the penny. Isn't that amazing? And they've never lost faith. Somebody that's walking through the crises that they are, and he said, but it was a reminder. They've never blamed God, never been angry at God. They just said, hey, sometimes things like this happen. We're praying, we're believing, but this is what he said. He said, it was an opportunity for us to be reminded that God knows everything that we're walking through, and he's mindful of our lives. We serve an amazing, supernatural kind of God, don't we? Can we give him another hand clap of praise? Thank you, Jeff. How many believe that? Say Amen. You see, I believe that. And here's the deal. You have the privilege of choosing what you believe. You can believe, okay, well, sometimes God hears, sometimes God cares. And if you gauge your decision based on what's happening or based on a circumstance or based on a report, you're going to miss it a country mile. But if you base that decision to serve God by the sovereignty of God, who's never made one mistake, never skip one lick of anything, and has always been the same out of his sovereignty, then, my friend, you can know for sure God is aware of every single thing going on in your life. If you believe it, say amen. We believe it by choice. 
Miracles, if you believe in them, never explicitly happen for a person per se, nor a particular situation. Let me get it straight for you. Miracles always have a purpose. And the primary purpose of every miracle is for a person to give God the glory and to exalt his name. So what did Marcia and them do and her husband? Here's what they did. First call we make when we saw it come together is we called Pastor Jeff and said, we just want to let you know, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Would you say that with me? Look what the Lord has done. Say it again. Look what the Lord has done. Now let's talk about miracles for a moment. And as they happen, it's found in Acts 4, verse number 29. Here's what it says. Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You see, here it is. We either believe in the supernatural power of God or we do not. There is no halfway in between. Let me tell you what a miracle is not. A miracle is not. It's an amazing story. A mother, of course, had her little son, and they were walking on the beach and playing around and getting some sun in the beach. And the little kid's going through the sand and found a silver object, and it was a, it was a coin. He picked it up, and as little kids do sometimes, they pop whatever it is that they have in their mouth, and he put it in his mouth. The problem is it got lodged in his throat, and he began to choke. The mother began to scream, scream for help. Finally, an American came over. She was in uh, an Acapulco. An American came over, you know, did the Heimlich maneuver pull. The coin came out, and all she is on her hands and knees thanking and saying, thank you. Thank you so much. You saved my son's life, doctor. You surely are a doctor. You knew what to do. And he said, ma'am, I am not a doctor at all. And I didn't really do anything other than the Heimlich maneuver. But he said, I want you to know, though I'm not a doctor, I am an agent of the IRS and getting people to give up money is my business. (laughs) Well, that story didn't go like you thought it was going to go, did it? A miracle isn't just a coincidence, which will cause you to say the word, not anymore lucky. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I challenge you to remember, God's not into luck. God's into the perfect footsteps that are ordered of God in every part of your life. It's not a coincidence that it takes place. A miracle isn't a fairy tale. And we know that the culture in which we live today, they do the magical things, the mystical things, and you can go maybe uh, 30, 45 minutes from here and be smack dab in the middle of the magic kingdom where seemingly all the miracles take place. We understand that we read and see books and movies that feature Harry Potter, etc., And we look and sometimes life is some romantic journey that takes place and we see it. Oh, that just happened to happen to me. Let me suggest to you that God has his hand on your heartbeat 
He knows what your future is. He knows what your present is. And he knows where you have been. And if you have sinned in your past, he may know where you've been, but he has forgotten because he has forgiven that sin. We know when we look at stories in the Bible like this one, and we think, is that really true? Did miracles really, really happen? You see, remember that miracles are not for the routine. It's for the exceptional. And God says, when I give a miracle, it's not necessarily a routine thing. It's an exceptional thing. Do you know how spoiled we would be if every time we turned around, God gave you a miracle? You say, that's a miracle, and that's a miracle, and that's a miracle. You know how spoiled you'd be? How many of you know someone seated next to you or close to you that's spoiled rotten? May I see your hand? You know it. It's all right, ladies, raise your hand. You spoiled that man of yours, no doubt about it. So here's what happens. They gather in Capernaum. And remember this, the teachers of the law and those of the temple were always trying to catch Jesus, always trying to catch his disciples in a lie, trying to trick them. So one of them comes forth and he addresses Peter. He says, hey, does your teacher pay temple tax? Peter replied, why, yes, he does. Peter turned around and walked away and went to the house where Jesus was. Jesus knew what went on, and Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked, for whom do kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? Peter thought, uh, I choose two, from others. At that moment, Peter realized that he was between a rock and a hard place. He wasn't a high priest's son. He wasn't a temple priest's son. He wasn't a relative. He was Peter, the fisherman, hanging out with Jesus, the teacher. And now he knows he's between a rock and a hard place because he doesn't have any money. Jesus didn't have any money. Peter thought, what am I going to do? Where am I going to get money? How's that going to come about? I need something to happen that's unbelievable. You see, a fairy tale would not have worked then. A religion would not have worked at that moment. Some past testimony of what God had done would not work. This was reality. It was not some scientific coincidence that took place at that particular time. Oh, and if a person were to step forward and declare that they would say there was a perfect, valid, scientific explanation for Peter to go out, throw his line out, catch a fish, and when he pulled that fish up in that fish's mouth, happened to be the answer to Peter's dilemma. So here's what Jesus said to Peter. Go out, take the first fish you catch, the first, and open its mouth, and you'll find enough to pay the taxes. You see, that metal coin was silver. And once that hits the water, it goes right to the bottom of the water. And usually it stays right there. It doesn't float down on the bottom. And if the story had said that the corn was in the fish's belly, maybe science and others who are familiar with that would have said, well, you know what? That's believable. The fish swallowed a coin and there it is in the belly. But here it is. The coin was in the mouth of the fish, exactly how Jesus said it. 
If the coin was stuck in the mouth of the fish, the fish would have died. So what happened was they believe, and as I read, the minute that Peter put his line in the water is the moment the fish got the coin off the bottom of the water in the lake there, the Sea of Galilee. And the fact is he pulled it up and looked into the mouth and there happened to be exactly enough money in the mouth of that fish to pay the taxes. Peter must have thought, this is no coincidence. This is not something that should have happened. But you see, it wasn't about money, was it? Where does God have to take you? And what kind of circumstance does he have to lead you into for you to come to the place that you have greater faith? What does God have to do in your life and in the life of your family to get you to believe, you know what? I don't like the journey I'm on now. I don't like the place that I'm in. And all of a sudden, out of virtually nowhere, God comes in and performs a miracle. Oh, but listen, I thought it could happen. Well, let me tell you, go beyond that tonight and believe that it will happen, that God will give you wisdom, guidance, and direction. It wasn't about money. It was about, Peter, I want to prove to you that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the Son of the Most High God. I am the miracle worker. Well, what is a miracle? Someone defined a miracle. A miracle is an unexpected event attributed to divine, to divine intervention. In other words, not natural, but divine where God and God only intervened in your behalf. It was amazing, this couple going through as they're going. They have been told that Marshall will probably not live just a few more months. And so he's home caring for her, and things must have been difficult there must still be a lot of tears, must look into her face every single day, her husband and children, a wonderful couple, studious in every way, as fine as they could be. But where is God in all this? There must be those moments as she takes her medication and those moments when her strength is ebbing away. And God said, you know what? I'm going to intervene here to give you just a light of hope to remind you that even though all of these reports to you is discouraging, right down to the penny, I'm going to show you who's in control. And that's exactly, you remember Jeff said, the husband said, nothing like this has ever happened to us. But it happened this time. Can you be that kind of person can you be the kind of person that says, God, endow me with that kind of belief system? I trust you. I want to serve you. So here's what we know. Ethan Allen, a number of years ago, in those parts of the world, he wrote, where learning and science have prevailed, miracles have ceased. He said it seems that the more comfortable people get, the more educated they become, the smarter, so to speak, they become, miracles cease. But he said, you go to the parts of the world when learning may not be as prevalent, when opportunity is not as prevalent, 
And when people still have to believe God for the manna to come to heaven, he said, miracles everywhere there. And I can tell you, our missionaries tell us in many of the fields that they serve in, that miracles take place in the lives of individuals that have little food, that have little water, that often run into situations. And many of those in the Muslim faith actually have had visions of Jesus Christ himself. And as a result of that vision, have turned away from the Muslim faith and turned to Christianity in Jesus Christ. God says, don't ever get too smart that you outsmart me. I am still the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the one that gives life, the one that takes life, and I can intervene in your life anytime I choose. So where should we be? God, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. And here's what we're taught. Not my will. Can I love God enough if I have to stay right where I'm at to be happy with God in my life? Can I love God enough as a child hears no from their mom and dad? And moms and dads always have a reason when they say no. And if you say no and then you turn around and say yes, you just spoiled your little brat. And it'll take time for them to recover because, one, they won't believe that what you say you mean anymore. And they'll believe that pitching a tantrum and continuing to beg and scratch will get them what they want. And that's not good teaching. The Bible says, let your no be no and let your yea be yea. See, that cost nothing what did this individual say we understand that in the scripture god was busy developing those disciples his desire was to develop them into great faith so we have to reach way back into isaiah's teaching and he said hey i told you way back then peter didn't you understand that that my way is higher than your way and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts they're not the same well, you'd say, well, why didn't, why didn't Jesus just influence one of the temple priests to come over and pay the taxes for them? No. Jesus said, I'm, I want you to understand there's no way around this. Go get the fish, the first fish. You know what that says to me? Peter caught more than one fish. But it was the first fish that had the money in it. How wonderful is that? For without faith it is, come on now, without faith it is impossible to please God. Everything that we believe that builds us up, that gives us hope, that creates an eternity with Jesus is based on faith. It's based on the divine intervention of God. We catch that by the grace of God. Well, what does a miracle, what's the intention of a miracle? And here it is in John 20, 30, and 31. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book. In other words, John didn't get them all. The four gospels didn't get them all, but there were many, many miracles that Jesus performed. But these are written that what? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. So what do I get to choose? 
I get to exercise an option. God, do I believe that you're real? Do I believe there's a heaven and there's a hell? Do I believe that Jesus died on the cross? Do I believe that he's at the right hand of the Father, as the Bible says, interceding for me right now? That knowing exactly what I need. God, do I believe that you see every footstep? And then what is the purpose of you moving in my life and bringing to pass those things that I desire? It says it is written that you may believe Jesus is the Christ. Do you believe it's strong enough to dedicate your life to it? Do you believe it's strong enough that in your weak moment, in your moment of misunderstanding, you say, but I know God has not forsaken me. Do you still believe it then? Do you celebrate it when he comes through for you every single time? Or do you celebrate it and say, "Woo! look what the Lord has done. Two weeks later, you're back in the same old routine of a questionable lifestyle that doesn't bring honor and glory to God. Here's what Jesus is saying to us tonight. I have in store for you supernatural intervention. And the reason that it is a supernatural intervention, I want you to give the testimony of what God has done in your life, and I don't want you to ever turn back when it happens. I want you to plant your feet on the Word of God. I want you to lift up the name of Almighty God, and when you do it and it comes to pass, I want you to be the brightest light in the room. I want you to be the loudest voice shouting the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to be the one that reminds people in doubt, oh, listen to me, I was there, but hey, I've been delivered by the grace of God. That's why God will give you a miracle in your life. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things. Jesus talking about you and me. He'll do even greater things because I am going to the Father. That's where Jesus is now. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. What is he doing? Making intercession for me. For you. For your family. Make it, can you believe that? That he knows you by name, knows the hairs in your head, knows your thoughts, knows your weakness, knows how many tears you wept. And he turns to God the Father and he says, hey, I want to intercede for them. I want you to make a way where there is no way because I'm beginning to see a flicker of faith rise in their spirit you see, we understand that purpose, that purpose and intent of the miracle in our life is not just for you and you alone and not just for your situation, but it's for the purpose that we might declare the truth to the world. Those that were baptized tonight in water, you know what they were doing? They were declaring to the world, look what the Lord has done. I've been a follower of Jesus Christ, and now I'm ready. Some, of course, we did baptize one. 25 years ago, we did it. Others have reaffirmed their faith recently. Others just came to faith in the last month. And, and what they're doing is saying, hey, I just want everybody to know I'm not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why they feel that way? Because here's what the Bible says. If you are ashamed of me before men, if you're ashamed of me where you live, in your neighborhood, where you work, here's what will happen. I will be ashamed of you before my Father, which is in heaven. I don't want that to be the statement in my life. Ask yourself the question, what can I do with the gift that God 
has given to me. The gifts that God has given to you, the gifts and the abilities that God has given to you. You see, if you fail to honor God for what you already have, you have squandered a miracle. There are a lot of things that you can squander, but you don't want to squander. You don't want to squander a miracle. Have a friend, a close friend, he's a minister friend. And in the recent lottery, there was a lottery of what, 1.6 billion? Is it, was that about 1.6 billion? Was that right, Todd Bear? Where are you at? He's a financial advisor. Where's he at? Over here? Yeah. Was it about 1.6 billion? Is that right? Sure, sure. 1.6 billion. And my minister friend said, I've never played the lottery in my life. But he said, You know, I thought, wow. Now he said, I thought, let me tell you, he wasn't doing the thinking. It was that little bird that sits on your shoulder, that right out of hell that said, you know what, you've never played it. But 1.6 billion, do you know what you could do with 1.6 billion? How many of you know what you could do with 1.6 billion? I know what you're thinking. Give it all to the church. I know what you're thinking. 1.6 billion. He thought, wow. I got out of the gym early. He said, I walked because there was a, a Publix next door. And I thought, I've never bought one in my life. But Lord, isn't this crazy? This guy's been in ministry 100 years. Lord, if I win this thing, I can pay the church off. I can help missionaries. I can do, the devil will always give you a lot of good reasons why you ought to do wrong. So I stepped up, and he said with a low voice, I looked around. I didn't see anybody I knew. I said, Lord, it must be you. Nobody's here. He said, I'd like two lottery tickets. And the person behind the counter said, two lottery tickets. That's right. I'd like two. She said, I reached in my pocket and pulled out my credit card. Now, those of you that laugh know you can't buy lottery tickets with a credit card. <laughs> and of which she said, we don't take credit cards. For lottery tickets, he said, and out of nowhere, a voice said, hey, preacher, if you don't have the money, I'll buy them for you, okay? <laughs> he said, I turned and just walked away because I didn't want to see that person and just walked away until Sunday morning rolled around and they came up to me and said, did you find somebody else to buy your ticket for you? He said, Wayne, I am confessing to you. I'm telling you. I said, this is not in confidence, is it? Because I need sermon illustrations. <laughs> he said, as long as you don't mention my name, that's good. 
he said it was the most embarrassing moment and God spoke to my life and said see don't you ever think for one minute I don't know what's going on in your life and in that moment hey preacher can I give you some money to buy that lottery ticket can I tell you something right now in this room is an anointing of God's Holy Spirit that reaches down with his hand and picks you up and says if you'll be faithful if you'll stay true if you'll stand strong if you'll trust me I will bring my will to pass in your life you believe that you believe let's give the Lord a clap offering should we do that would you stand here we go stand to your feet Heavenly Father I thank you tonight for all that you've done. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for this moment. But we know that it started with Peter who goes out and casts a line out and catches a fish. And it was the fish that happened to have the coins in it because it was orchestrated by God. Well, Lord, we look at that and we think, boy, that's strange. That sounds unusual. But God, if we could get what we needed through the usual we would have already walked through this situation we in. If we could get what we needed in the routine, we would have already been healed. If we could get what we want, Father, by something that we could control to take place, then this thing would already have a period. But it's the things that we don't understand. It's the unusual. It's the moment that needs the supernatural intervention. Lord, I'm truly aware of that. In my own miracle recently with my eyesight, God, you gave a great, great miracle. We cast the line out, and you performed and produced exactly what we needed. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move by your Spirit. I pray that you would give us wisdom and guidance. I pray you'd speak to every heart in this room. And I believe by faith that we have heard your word. And now that we have heard your word, we desire to act on what it is that you're encouraging us to do. And it is a step of faith in Jesus' name. So just in case, there's some that might be here tonight and others that might be listening online whose life is not in order. You know you're not living out your Christian testimony. You know that you're not serving God in a way that's bringing pleasure to God. And you say, I want to get everything straightened out tonight. I want God to hear my prayer, and I want to do better. I want God to help me, and I need forgiveness. I'm going to say that prayer. Would everyone in the room repeat this prayer? And those of you online, repeat it as well. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I believe you are the creator of all the universe. I trust you. I believe you're God. I realize there are moments in my life when I may flounder, and my faith is weak. But tonight, I confess, give me strength, give me courage, and give me the ability to stand strong in your name. Father, forgive me of my sins. I am believing you for the miraculous. God, you are important to me. Take my life and use it as you choose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering, would you please? So what is our next step? Here it is. The next step is this. When Peter, when Jesus told Peter, now get this. You got a song ready? When Jesus told Peter, let me, if, if Jesus were to tell you this, Peter, 
We're going to pay the taxes. And here's what we're going to do. I want you to go out and put a line in the water. You know, he didn't say a net. Put a line in the water. Peter was a fish fisherman, and he used cast net. But this time, put a line in the water. There's a difference. So if Jesus tells you, go out there, get you a line, throw the line in the water, put a little bait on it. He didn't say that, did he? Just cast the line in the water. Because it'd be very difficult if a fish has got silver coins in his mouth to bite any bait. Do you get it? Here's what he said. Go out there, and the first fish you catch is going to have some silver coins in it, and it'll pay the taxes. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you would say, yes, sir, Jesus, right away, I'll get right out there and get my fishing line out and go fishing. I'll start casting away. In your own mind, how quick would you do that? How quick would you do it? Did you know why Peter did it? Because Peter was between a rock and a hard place. And being between a rock and a hard place, get this, we do things that ordinarily we wouldn't do if the pressure is great enough. And we say often, what else do I have to lose but to get out there and give it a try? So if God speaks to you right now as we sing this song, you say, I just want to come down. And I just want to say, God, here I am. Touch my life and use me. I honor you tonight in Christ's name. You come right now. Then we'll give the benediction. Please stay with me till I give that benediction. Here we go. Let's worship together. In the name of Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for this wonderful group of individuals. Everyone here, you had an assignment for them to be here tonight for whatever reason they came. It was on your agenda, Father. We heard the Word of God. You tell us that once we've heard the Word of God, we should become doers of the Word of God. And Lord, it's a whole lot easier if we lay our burdens down on the altar.
and walk out of here with a clean slate and say, you know what? By the help of Jesus Christ, I'm going to live a better and a more positive life for the glory of God. And I'm going to do my best. God, it can happen only with your help. I pray you'd minister and meet every single need. And then, Lord, Wednesday night when we come back for one hour of communion, I pray that we'll remember it is our time to say thank you to you. And Thursday, we'll have a chance to meet with all of our family members, many of them. Some of them we like and some of them we may not like as much. But in whatever we do, let us be exalted as we honor you and exalt your name above every name. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Be sure you shake the hand of five or ten good-looking people and just love on them, okay? That ought to be pretty easy to do.